to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me as always is Logan Stump. How are you today, Logan? Oh, you know, every Tuesday it's joy, Jordan. I get to talk to you. So any For any hours day. Hours and to... hours. Yeah. And hours. <laughs> we won't tell people that this is a seven hour podcast that we just play or, or um, it's a premiere, so you're actually not watching this live. It's just no I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, but could you imagine? <laughs> we recorded we this you. on Sunday. Um, no, unfortunately we're here with you on Tuesday <laughs> because we're about to do this and our Ted Lasso recap like back to back. So it's gonna be quite the uh, Tuesdays. It's kind of making me long for the finale of Ted Lasso. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I told Ashley it's like only two more episodes. And I only meant that in a way of like, I only have to do this two more times. We like really, we really do like doing the Ted Lasso. Yeah. yeah. We'll have recap. to, we'll have to reevaluate and because we have to finish season one and two on our recaps, yeah. but um, we'll, we'll have to either put those on different days or, you know, because <laughs> we kind of get it stuck in this, like we used to do Monday and Tuesday, but then it was like doing the same thing two days in a row. Yeah. And then, um, so Mondays have been kind of nice to just unwind. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, then today is like the marathon, you know, so it's like, you know, Logan and I were talking yesterday. This is all behind the scenes stuff you don't need to care about. But Logan and I were talking yesterday, and I'm like, so would you rather do <laughs> it all in one day? He said, whatever you want. I said, the laziness in me is like, let's do it Tuesday. And then Tuesday comes, and I'm like, past yeah. Jordan was a dick for yeah. putting this off. <laughs> Why did he put this off? I, I, I do think it's like uh, back when uh, kind of like when we were in school and you put stuff off. Right. And then you wait and you're like, oh, good. Like I, I have until tomorrow to do this. But then tomorrow comes and you're like, why did I do that to myself? I think it was worse in college, to be honest, because you had longer like deadlines. I think it was worse in college. To be honest. I, I had a, a podcast with Jack about uh, our Marvel stuff, and mm -hmm. he like used an example of if you like you usually want to get somebody to peer review your paper before you turn it in and that you're working. I'm like, dude, I do that the night before. <laughs> I was never like, Logan, please read my paper. It was all right. 20 page paper. I'm starting it tonight. <laughs> yeah. If I get 10 done in this hour, the next hour should be a breeze. How can I stretch this paragraph out yeah. 
well, you know, and just like going, saying the same thing a couple times yeah. in different ways. So uh, like this all comes with, uh, I mean, we're on a tangent here. Might as well keep going. <laughs> um, this like, imagine if Jasper or uh, chat GPT existed during our time, Jordan, I think I'd have used it all the time because it actually, I don't actually know really how good. to use it. I, I've tried really using good. it yeah. for like other stuff and yeah. I'm having trouble with it. Yeah. So I'm you like, who, I, I'm a boomer. I'd be like, I don't yeah. know about this. You know who it helps though. It actually does help. If you can write, it actually helps people that know how to write well, because you're able to command it to do what you need it to do. Whereas I think if people did struggle to write, they would have a hard time using it because it, you really have to command where it goes with uh, the direction that it's writing. Cause you can type in like thousands of words to it and it'll be like, okay, yeah, let me piece this together. But I just imagine, doing schoolwork and I start getting sick to my stomach to be honest. Don't miss those days. <laughs> no, Don't I'm miss so them. glad, you know, my wife at one point is like, so you never see yourself going back and getting your master's. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> sorry. Uh, my plan is not to go back and take any more classes. I'm done with that stuff. I'd rather spend my Tuesdays doing that. <laughs> so enough of a tangent there, four minutes. Uh, if you stayed with us during that time, <laughs> congratulations! You did. Congratulations! Uh, we got some changes to the table to talk about, especially in the East here, as uh, New England has fallen and Cincinnati has prevailed. We had two match days, thirteen and fourteen, take place in the midweek and the uh, weekend. So we got some of that to talk about. We got rumors about Insigne and Bob Bradley having some beef. Uh, we've also got some uh, U.S. national team, youth national team under 20s. They have six points in their first two games. Uh, they play today and beat Fiji 3 nothing. So uh, lots to talk about today. Open Cup taking off uh, tonight, um, kicking off tonight and tomorrow. So a lot. Uh, where, where do we want to start with, Logan? Um. Might as well start with the big, the, the bigger story, I guess. I guess Insigne and Bob Bradley news. Yeah, so this was uh, per Kaylin Kyle. She does the MLS 360. Uh, she does. So, I mean, I feel like she has sources, right? Yeah. Uh, Her husband works with Hadrian Heath, too. Yes, yeah. In Minnesota. Um. Well, that's isn't her husband Adrian Heath's kid? I think so, yeah. I think by relation, yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. But yeah, so she uh, apparently put this out here, or you know, somebody credited her to it. I don't know if she said it on the show or something, that uh, Lorenzo Insigne does not want to work with Coach Bob Bradley. So if this is true, um, not a great, not great, Right, I don't know where I was going with that, but Toronto is bottom of the East. Uh, Insigne did not play, uh, and so if that's what it is, if you're Toronto, it's got to be all right. Sorry, Bob. Right? I mean, you spent all this money to bring in Bernadeschi and Insigne. You need to make this work. You're bottom of the East, so you already have a reason where you could cut with Bob and not be like, it's not like you're third place and he doesn't want to work with the coach. You're, you're last, right? So if you're the ownership or the GM, you can say, Hey Bob, 
we're last. We haven't seen any sort of growth from last season when you came in. Bye-bye. That's what you could do. Um, and then hopefully, I don't want to give too much power to the player, though, in the sense of, like, you don't want to get insignia to be like, all right, pick your coach, dude. Like, you don't want to get that way with it. But for whatever reason, there seems to be beef here. I don't know if it's just that insignia is fed up with being near the bottom or if he doesn't think Bob is a good coach, which would be kind of BS because Bob has coached many places successfully. But for whatever reason, it's not really working out in Toronto and Toronto has put all this money in. It might be time to turn the page, especially if you spend all that money on Signe and he doesn't even get on the pitch. Yeah, I think it, it, it's an interesting, uh, I guess it's an interesting time too. Like the timing of all of this is, is fascinating. You know, if you look at this and Toronto is not at the bottom of the table, if they're you're kind of hovering around the playoff spots or kind of competing for that bottom of the playoff spots, uh, I, I think you've got a different discussion. But maybe, you know, and I don't know, I, I watched Bob Bradley in uh, We Are, is, was it We Are LAFC? Is that what it's called? Um, I, you know, watching him, he can be somewhat old school, but it does seem like he has a, a genuine care for the players. So it is interesting that you know, here's the here's the guy at the top of the coaching pyramid, I think, in U.S. soccer as far as MLS is concerned, and here's a player that comes in that is touted um, internationally, that is that has got a huge pedigree, and he comes over and he's having this tiff. Um, it, it's tough because while the team is struggling, and then while it it kind of rides on uh, Bob's shoulders. You also have Insigne, who really hasn't come over and, and one, produced at the level they thought he was going to, nor does he ever stay on the pitch. So, like, I don't know. It's a really weird situation. I I don't really know what comes of it, to be honest with you. Like, I, I'm assuming, like you mentioned, like maybe, you know, Bob uh, is on the, on the tougher seat than, I guess, Insigne because you pay all this money for him. But, man, could you imagine if they let Bob Bradley goes? Or he like sorry he goes and then he goes somewhere else to coach and I mean he's still a really good coach so it's only a matter of time before he makes whatever team he goes to next a good one so I don't know I think it's lose lose if you're Toronto at this point now John Molinero who is a CBC reporter a TFC writes for Sportsnet as well. He says lots of rumors about Insigne the last few days. From what I've pieced together from talking to people, he didn't travel to Texas and there was no pregame argument with Bradley. He was also in training for TFC Live today. So that's a positive re his availability this weekend. Somebody said, well, what about the public request for a coaching change? He said there was no public request for a coaching change. None as far as I've been told. There's been no private request either. And this guy responded, you didn't interpret Bernadeschi's comments on Saturday as wanting a coaching change, saying we need a change because there's no tactics and we're not training right. Um, and then he said pretty much like, no, that's a big difference between questioning the team's tactics and blah, blah, blah. Now, what I find interesting is somebody else had showed um, on May 20th, a tweet said, no insignia tonight. He didn't make the trip to Austin. Chalk up another lower body injury for Toronto. Somebody retweeted this and said, wrong, he did make the trip. And they showed like a clip from Apple TV where it shows them getting ready for the game and it shows Insigne there. So this is all confusing. We have no clue what's going on. 
Just want to say that it could just be another Shocking. injury. It could be just another injury. It could be an argument of Bob Bradley. I don't know, but it's it's just funny how all this stuff is going around. You think Bob looked out there and went, "Damn, he's not out there, is he?" Oh, I guess he didn't come. <laughs> like I don't know this league, man. Uh, it's just it's so dark. Like it's so uh, I don't know. There's no read on any of it because none of it's transparent. Like you would know in the NBA or Major League Baseball or NFL why guys aren't showing up. Like there is enough digging that the writers do. Maybe that's on us, Jordan. Maybe we need to dig more. Maybe we need to get to the bottom of these things. I think that that's interesting that he's in that clip on Apple TV because they wouldn't edit that. So very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a guy filming it off of his yeah. like phone too. Um, like his, yeah, he's like got another phone. He's aiming it on the phone and apparently you see him, you know, walking around when it's like, bring on ATX, you know, like when they do those little yeah. match previews or whatever. Um, so who knows? Uh, it's he's calls fourteen million dollars. It is what it is. Uh, he he hasn't taken the leap either. So how much do you put it on coaching or just him being like, I'm retired. I'm playing in MLS now because some of those players do come over and have that sort of mentality. I just saw somebody say, if you cover Insigne's hair, he looks like Pep Guardiola. And they showed a picture, and he does. He actually, if you make him bald, he does kind of look like Pep Guardiola. Does he really? Yeah, I'm just searching this. Pep, I'm just searching this uh, <laughs> hashtag. You know, like searching Insigne on Twitter, and yeah. showing me all these top things. And this was one of the uh, top things here. It really does. He does. He? Yeah. <laughs> the things you learn while just searching Twitter, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's no been real official story. There is a clip from Kalen Kyle on, it looks like Extra Time, where she is talking about it. Yeah, it's it's just her saying what the what the other guy had quoted her as saying uh, that he doesn't want to work with Bob Bradley, and that's the official MLS podcast, everyone. So I don't yeah. know. That seems pretty legit. Usually, yeah, extra no. time doesn't spread that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, I, it's all it's interesting. Wild. It's a wild time. Um, yeah, I mean, shoot, we should see relatively soon if all this is true if he's playing i guess tomorrow do they play tomorrow uh they i didn't well, check to see who tomorrow, was off tomorrow oh or wednesday wednesday no yeah. they got knocked out of the canadian championship so okay. i think their next games saturday would be this weekend, weekend yeah against dc yeah i hadn't followed the canadian championship so i couldn't remember who they was lost to montreal and then they lost to montreal that's in the right league the following that's weekend right. yeah that's right <laughs> Kind of buried them, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the problem. And CJ wants to go play with Montreal now. He picked the wrong Canadian team. Yeah, well, he picked the one that could afford them. That's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to Whitecaps or Montreal. 
but yeah, so okay, they're bottom of the East. They're in 15th place. They have 13 points. They're only five points out of a playoff spot still. But they're averaging less than one point a game. Everyone else is averaging one or higher in the East. So, and they've played 14 games, while some of the teams above them have only played 13. They've only scored 13 goals on the season. They only have two wins. It's not a good start for Toronto here. I don't know. Can you still call it a start? How far are we in? I would say this is what third now. Yeah. So, no, I'm. I'd say. Uh, I, I know Shep Messing. Yeah, Shep Messing said like basically how he saw it when he played. You get around that one third mark, and you really start to see where teams are going to kind of sit, and where you where you have some concerns. So. If that's the case, then you got to feel pretty good if you're a Cincinnati fan because they have yeah. 30 points on the season. They have <laughs> one loss. They are leading the charge for the Supporter Shield and also sitting top of the East as New England had lost to the Union. Um, I think they also lost a game midweek or drew. Um, trying lost to, to Miami. Lost to Miami, midweek, right, and yeah. then they lose to the Union 3 yep. And dropped the so, bomb on that one in Miami. Yeah, so, yeah. And they got crushed by the Union. <laughs> so not easy losses either. Yeah, and they're sitting, they've only played 13, but so have Cincinnati. But now New England is now six points back of Cincy as they fall all the way down to third because Nashville is sitting with 25 points in, seconds, in second place. Um, I mean, Cincinnati, I mean, Nashville had a problem with scoring earlier in the season. They've got 19 goals. That's just two less than Cincy. They've only given up nine. So Nashville's in a good spot right now. Uh, You know, Atlanta has been scoring the most in the East here. They got 28 goals, but they've given up 24. So they're kind of a helter-skelter type team. They're in fourth place with 22 points. Philly is sitting fifth with 21. They have a game in hand. So does New England and so does Cincy. DC sits sixth with 19 points. Orlando sits seventh with 19. They have a game in hand. Columbus sits eighth with 18 points. They have a game in hand. And Charlotte has moved their way up to ninth place. They have 18 points. Then in the 10th spot is NYCFC. With 16 points, uh, uh, New York Red Bulls in 11th with 16, Miami in 12th with 15 as they drop out of the playoff spot since the last time we spoke, Montreal in 13th with 15 points, Chicago in 14th with 15, and as we said, Toronto is in 15th place with 13 points. So yeah, Cincy, I mean, Cincy's just doing it perfectly. They are perfect at home, by the way. Eight wins, no losses, no draws. Away from home, they have one win, one loss, and three draws. So I I think it's time for us to maybe say that Cincy is the best team in the East. If we're looking at that take a third of the season type thing, I think we can kind of point to that they are for real. This isn't one of those fluke starts to the season. I think that they have kind of... I don't want to say become union senior, but what I mean is like, they're no longer like union junior. I think they're kind of reaching the spot that the union were in the last few years where now since he's doing it. Right. And I think that's pretty interesting. I want to see if they can keep it up when they start inevitably losing players, but 
they have a five point lead over second place in a team that has played one more match than them. So they're doing pretty well there. They're five points up as well on the on the supporter shield. Now, LAFC has played one less than them, so that can certainly get short down to two points uh, by the time LAFC catches up. But who had Cincy as a supporter shield favorite this early in the season? I think Andrew Weeby did, maybe. <laughs> I forget which one of them did. Somebody did on extra time, I believe. Um, and I think they thought they were, maybe it was Doyle. Um, it was somebody, because uh, I remember reading it and going, yeah, right. Like, I doubt that. Like, I, I mean, Cincinnati's going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be supporter shield good. But man, have they proven that. I, I do worry, though, Jordan, like we've talked about, it's like a, a, a looming or, a, you know, a problem that's coming because it's it's, you know, I think they're going to have issues scoring when uh, Brandon Vasquez and Brenner are both gone. Um, and by that, I mean, I, I just don't think that it's reasonable to assume that Lucho Acosta is going to be able to carry this team in goal scoring. Like he's done it so far. He's got five goals. Um, but I just, uh, if he's the only one, if he's the only reliable option, you kind of run into the situation that Nashville has, right? Where you have, just one player creating all the chances. Um, and Sergio Santos has four goals. But again, I, I just don't think that the consistency is going to be there enough that when a Brandon Vasquez or Brenner would have started to kind of show up and, and score more goals, I don't think you would see um, like a Sergio Santos or a Lucho really kind of carrying that weight. So I think, you know, Brenner's not played as much this year. Um, and I think his, uh, his pending move into Udinese, I think that, you know, He's got star quality, and and I think also Brandon Vasquez does too. And they're both on the uh, on the move. And I do think that Cincinnati's got to go out there and try to find a number nine uh, that's going to get goals for him because I do think that they're they're going to get close to, and they don't defend as well as Nashville does. So I, I think they'll get to kind of that uh, that hairy situation of just not having enough goal scorers. And ultimately, I think that that kind of is where he, you know the big question mark is. But right now, it works because Lujo's playing so well. So. I don't know. That, that's my big concern. But man, I don't think anybody suspected that. Not even Cincinnati fans that they'd be this this good. So, like the um, what what I find interesting is with Cincinnati is that they've really followed this progression the way the Union have, where it's like a little better each year. Um, I know this is only the second year with Noonan and stuff, but like really being able to take that leap from where they were is like a, what, fourth or fifth spot in the East last year, getting knocked out. And then now being kind of like a favorite in the East. And I I really want to see... They have more money than the union, I'm pretty sure, ownership-wise. So if they lose some of these players, they might be able to bring in players that fit even more. Because remember, some of these players are not even like the picks of Chris Albright and um, Pat Noonan. So seeing if they can bring in their own guys at some point, they might be really good. And I think it's funny just how quickly this has changed from them being like laughing stock of the league where they 
put up like a picture of Mr. Clean instead of the actual coach, you know, and because he's bald. And then they, uh, you know, fire their sporting director, fire their managers like every season until last year when they bring in Noonan and Albright. And then all of a sudden they're taking off. Uh, So I find that very interesting how quickly it's been. And I'm sure some of these fans of other teams, Chicago, you know, Miami, all these teams that are in bigger markets that also have money behind them, uh, keep like failing, right? And, And seeing how quickly since he was able to flip the switch from, Three times in a row, Supporter Shield, I mean, Wooden Spoon winners. I mean, wish they were Supporter Shield winners. But, you know, winning the Wooden Spoon or losing it, I guess. Boom, boom, boom. And then now being like a favorite for the Supporter Shield in a quick flip. Uh, th- that's just astounding to me and really is a testament to ownership, I will say, for actually getting it right this time and for being smart and poaching a successful organization like the Union where they were to look across and say, all right, we want to replicate that and actually go get those because there was no way like Albright was going to have the chance to take over the union anytime soon with the way that Ernst Tanner was doing. And the same thing with uh, Noonan was never going to, you know, Curtin might still be at union for a while. So, you know, we need more of those interleague moves. We've talked about it before. Like when we talk about Garth Lagerway and stuff like that, because, it creates more stories. It creates more opportunities for some of these people that are inexperienced or maybe experienced as an assistant for so long and then actually getting their chance to prove it. And the way that Cincy is going right now, they're proving it. And I just find that amazing. It's like exactly what you'd want. <laughs> if you're a yeah. Fan. I mean, it, it, as it's saying success, I mean, success breeds success ultimately. So it's, I think it's, the I mean, you look at other sports. I know the Cubs did this when they poached Jed and Theo off the Red Sox because they're like they built it once successful. Let's do it that way and blueprint it. So you're right, Jordan. I, I hope that you know, like an LA Galaxy, like what the hell, like yeah, they could have, have taken a shot on <laughs> anybody. Right you right. mean to tell me they wouldn't want to go live in yeah, LA, LA, right, Carson City. Sorry, yeah. um, you know, yeah. but. Yeah, yeah, but it's these smaller teams that give the chance, right? Because yep. Miami and LA are looking they're okay for the, they're looking for the hits. Right? Yep. They're like, oh, what worked over in Milan, or you know, because <laughs> that's what they're focused on is becoming a what they call it, like global brand. Mm-hmm. Montreal's focused yep. on being a global brand when they decide to rebrand into the Snowflake Crest and all that. It's like focus on your own market first. LA is irrelevant right now with LAFC there. Yeah, And I guess we can shift to them because yeah. I wanted to go to the West anyway. But LA Galaxy is now bottom. Logan, SKC has leapfrogged them. <laughs> LA has nine points. They only have two <laughs> wins. They have three draws, eight losses. They've only scored uh, 10 goals on the season. SKC has scored nine, by the way, but there was that what a month where they didn't score a goal and now they're already catching up to galaxy's goal scoring. It's unbelievable. LA fans are freaking out rightfully. So by the way, because 
it's got to be time for a change. They lose to DC United 3-0, and it's not a slight to DC. DC is a historic club as well, but they're only sixth place in the East. It's Wayne Rooney just getting his feet together, you know, to make his run to whatever they got to do. He's just getting started there. And LA's like, well, we've had Vanny for, what, two years now? We've had Chicharito for two years, three years. And it's going nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Ever since Zlatan has left, this team has been irrelevant in its own market. And in the market where the other team is building a club that we've never seen in the history of MLS. So, like, <laughs> they just churn out championship team after championship team. CONCACAF Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League. Like, it, it's just constant. But the LA haven't won it yet, but let's... Yeah, let's... <laughs> right. But when they get there... Right? Yeah, so they, they win MLS that... Cup and Supporter Shields and... Right. When they get to that pinnacle, right... It, it is wild because it's like it's kind of like the fall of the Lakers, right? Or the Yankees haven't won a World Series in so long. Um, it's kind of that same thing in MLS. I mean, the Galaxy were the team. It's the team everybody knew around the world. Like, talk about a global brand. Like, they did it. Then they achieved a global brand by just winning. But now? That's also it, how it's, <laughs> it's still funny because it's still the LA team that's known. Like, when, when right. there's been people that have been – like going to LAFC and like daily mail is like LA galaxy. Yeah. And you're like, no, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't you're embarrassing them. Um, so no, I, it is, it's, it's, it can't be easy. They build the nicer stadium. They've got the better fans. Their fans actually go to the stadium now because you know, he won't, Chris Klein won't leave. So it, man. And what do you do, Jordan? Like, what do you do with this club? I mean, it, like we assume they have money, yeah, right. But like we don't know this financial situation. They we don't do. Know. They're owned by AG. Right? Yeah, they have money. So, but it's obviously. I mean, they're very hesitant to spend it. I mean, look at the look at the look at the roster. They've spent it on Chicharito. Like, I'm looking at everybody else. Ain't nobody close to what I mean. Maybe Ricky Pooch, but I don't see anybody else on this team making all that money. So where's that money? Like. Where are they putting it? It's not going in the stadium. Their owners won't spend it. The GM could care less. The coach, I mean, Vanny is one of the best coaches if he's given any kind of product, but they don't have any product. This is a sad bunch of, of players. This is a really sad roster. Like, <laughs> this is nowhere close to what an LA team should look like. Like, this is a massive market. It's it's kind of like Chicago. Like, it's embarrassing that Chicago, and when you've got Red Bull struggling the way that they have, like those big markets in the U.S. should never struggle because they have all the financial means. So I don't, I don't get it. I don't they, understand. They make the money. What what you're seeing is that they're not putting it into the club, and that's no, the frustrating thing. Yeah. They're pocketing it, and that's why they're content to have Chris Klein run this club into the ground. They don't care. Uh, it's not priority number one the way it is for LAFC's management or, you know, any of these other teams where big markets where where like. That team is, that's Austin. the issue with a yeah. lot of these teams having ownership from other sports teams or other things where that's not priority number one. Like, okay, Jerry Jones, priority number one is the Cowboys. He's always with the Cowboys. He is 
hijacking deals to make them worse all the time because he doesn't know what he's doing, but he has money. He's invested in his Cowboys team. We don't have an MLS owner like that. They already own like craft with owning, uh, you know, the Boston uh, franchises. Yeah. Boston franchises. You have, well, Arthur Blank with Home Depot and Falcons and stuff. So, like, there, there's things that are more traditional sports in the U.S. that some of these people are doing. Stan Kroenke owns every single team in the world, it seems like. But he's also probably more focused on Arsenal than he is the Rapids um, or the Rams even. You know, like, the Rams are priority number one probably. And it's, it's that frustration of, okay – we know LA Galaxy is this huge deal. We know it. We've lived it. But it's like ownership doesn't even know what they have. Right? It's ownership looking like, oh, is that still making us money? Okay, cool. And they turn a, an, a blind eye away from it. They don't care if they're winning stuff. That's the biggest hurdle that this league has to become popular and this happens in every single league in the in america but right now i think we have the least amount of i don't want to say hands-on because that can be bad but the least amount of like owners that know what they're dealing with in this sport than we do in any other league in the u.s right like i feel like yeah Baseball no owners yeah. understand baseball. Yeah. They may not be, some are hands-on, some are not, whatever. I'm not asking for hands-on. I want you to be able to hire soccer people that know what they're doing, but some of these owners don't know what that is, right? Like AEG says, Chris Klein, he played soccer. Uh, he played for the Galaxy. Oh, he did? I didn't even know that. That's probably what the ownership is saying. Like, yeah, let's make him our guy then because it's a local guy and he's played the sport. Cool. But they don't understand that he doesn't get it, that he's not the one who is what makes this team run. And maybe I'm talking out of my ass. Maybe AEG does know and they just don't care, but that's the kind of vibe I get where they're like, well, everybody says I should just hire a soccer guy to do it. I'm going to hire a soccer guy. Oh, this guy, he's cheap. He used to play for us. He understands the sport and they don't understand that playing the sport and being like in the executive stuff is different. Like that's the kind of vibe I get from some of this. Like, I don't even know if Jay Sugarman at Philly would know. He kind of lucked into getting Ernst Tanner, I think. And that's been running like a well-oiled machine. And, you know, I, I, I think Arthur blank has a better idea because he did go get like Garth Lagerway. Even then, he's like, okay, that guy built two MLS Cup winners and a team that first won the CONCACAF Champions League? Bring him over. That's all he needed to know. It's just frustrating because this Galaxy team should not be bottom. I can't remember the last time in the world they were bottom. I mean, if you look at NYCFC, same thing. I mean... Red Bull, same thing. Inner Miami. Like, you've just got ownership groups that just, I don't know. It's, you you, you kind of hit it right on the head, I think. It's like, they've got a lot of money. 
they assume they can just throw random people in that have played soccer at some point and go, you know what? That's enough. Like that should be enough to just make us money. And city football group have no interest in what NYCFC are doing. Like they don't even build them a stadium. They don't get them DPs. They, they, they just, they go and they go and find these kids that never pan out to be anything. If anybody is unaware, none of the city football group players from any of the other teams ever get into the Manchester city site. So like it, it, they, they, they always claim like, Oh yeah, well, I mean, Manchester city must be on top of them, scouting them. And, and they, they, you know, they're flipping them for profit. I can tell you as a city fan, they did. They never do that. Like none of these players will ever reach Manchester city. They really don't even flip them. They just trade them off and, and send them off whenever I think they become too much of a, a burden as far as a salary cap. So I don't, like I'm not convinced that any of these big investment groups are good for the sport. Um, and I think this sport or this league actually has more group investors than any other league in the U S too, which I think is, can be an issue because you've got too many cooks in the kitchen. And I think ultimately don't come to an agreement, agreement, agreement on what money goes where. And I think that's part of the problem too. Um, you got in Charlotte, um, I think it's David Tupper is the first name. Uh, I can't remember, but it's the Tupper Sports. He's run that Panther team into the ground. And he is really swaying in a very precarious thing with, with Charlotte because I think that they have some issues as well. I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that there's just this huge – like, all the NFL owners think it's just cool to have the, the soccer team because they play in their stadium, it seems. Like, like, oh, might as well acquire them. They play in our stadium. Make me a little bit of money. It's a nice little investment. It's like a side hustle for That's them. what everybody thinks. Like, that's what all the billionaires think. They're like, how can I just make money off this team? Yeah. Okay, last time they were last place in the West. Had to go digging for this. Uh, was 2017. So about six years ago, they were 22nd overall in the league, which was uh, last place. And they were... 11th in the West, which was last place at that point. By the way, that was <laughs> that was 32 points on the season. Can I even see them get 32 points this season? Not with the way they're playing, I can't. I mean, that'd be another... <sighs> what, like... Uh... How many games would that take? It took them 13 games to reach nine points. So if you're going to get the 32, you got to win another 20, 21, 23 games. Uh, 23 points, I mean. Um, And you have to do that within another... Well, they've added games, too, so it'll be a little different. I don't know. I'm not good at math. Pretty much, I just can't see it happening. At this point. <laughs> that was a lot of fun to listen to. <laughs> I'm trying to work it through in my head, and I'm like, I, I can't right now, all right? You, you sound like me getting frustrated with math. I'm like, yeah, whatever. They, they can't get to it. They had a it's negative impossible. 22 gold differential in 2017. Yeah. What are they at right now? Negative? Uh, they're negative 13. Oof. They're on their way. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like going to be historically bad for LA Galaxy, I fear. 
They just don't care. And and that 2017 season, by the way, was like the transition from mm-hmm. Bruce Arena to Kurt Anolfo, and then he got yeah. fired midseason, and then they had to hire Ziggy Schmidt. The year before that, they were third place in the East, uh, in the West. Sorry. Woo. That would have been really wild if they were in the East. And before that is when they go on their run where they're winning cups after cups after cups. So this is really like unseen in the last six years. And then before that, like 2017 was the disaster season. So if this gets to that level, then there's no way Vanny holds on. They were eighth place in the last two seasons. And now they are like bottom. How many teams is it again? I always forget. 15, 14 in the West, 15 in the East. So they're absolutely, they've dropped six places from the last two seasons when they were just finishing eighth all the time. We'll see. Well, I wonder if they'll ever say anything sometime soon. Austin did get a win, by the way. Uh, they are they they beat Toronto. I don't know if that's a big deal, but they're back in a playoff spot. So in the West, you got LAFC with twenty five points, Seattle in second with twenty three points, St. Louis in third with twenty two, Dallas in fourth with twenty two, San Jose in fifth with eighteen, Minnesota in sixth with eighteen, Vancouver in seventh with seventeen, Portland in eighth with 16 Austin in ninth with 16. Then you have Houston in 10th with 15 RSL in 11th with 15 Colorado in 12th with 12 and SKC in 13th with 10 and LA galaxy in 14th with nine. Literally the bottom three teams in the West are lower than any of the teams in the East. So Toronto can at least hang their hat on that. No wooden spoon. They were hoping to take something out of this year. But no yeah, spoon. could you imagine if the players were like, oh, we couldn't even suck enough to get <laughs> the wooden spoon? Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Right. Uh, yeah, so th- there you go. That is, that is that. Red Bulls and Cincinnati are currently playing in the Open Cup. We have Miami and Nashville about to kick off. In that, Houston and Minnesota at 8.30. LAFC versus LA Galaxy at 10.30. Oh, good luck, LA Galaxy. And then uh, Minnesota, they're the ones that just knocked out the Union in penalty kicks in the Open Cup as well. That was a crazy game where Jack was like uh, talking smack. And then uh, who was it? Glesnes uh, scored, uh, no, Kai Wagner, sorry, scored two like late goals to equalize each time they go into penalty kicks and Kai Wagner actually misses the penalty kick that seals it (laughs) kind of a bad game for him in the sense of like it it not like it's still a good game for him for scoring those two goals and bringing us to it. We wouldn't even been in penalty kicks for it, but just sucks for him to be like the hero in regular time and then go to like go to penalties and become the villain in quotations though. I don't think any union fans really blamed him 
at all. So that's your open cup for today. Tomorrow we have Montreal versus Forge FC in the Canadian Championship. Pittsburgh Riverhounds hosting Columbus. Birmingham Legion hosting Charlotte. Austin FC hosting Chicago. Colorado Rapids hosting RSL. And Pacific FC hosting Vancouver in the Canadian Championship. Any other big stories we want to talk about before we move on to previewing some of these games? Um, I mean, I think one thing is, the, I mean, the, the big move from Nashville up in the second place. And, and you you are uh, all over the bandwagon as far as Nashville coming over to the Eastern Conference. And they've performed really well. They defend really well. Um, but Hani Mukhtar, I think, really has cemented himself. And I think, uh, you know, over the last three years, if you put the three years together best dp in the league yeah he, he, he maybe the best player in the whole league um he i mean the the guy is unstoppable what a force and the fact that uh we're approaching a transfer window in which i'm hoping nashville adds an attacking player like i'd love to see him with the number nine striker maybe it's taken a couple of years for them to find that perfect fit with hani mukhtar but imagine a guy with eight goals six assists being paired up with uh, another DP striker that could put away 10 goals. I mean, this Nashville team would go from, you know, a really strong contender to probably favorites in the Eastern Conference and maybe even Supporter Shield uh, if they could find just a goal scorer. Um, but they've just never been able to find that. So, again, their, their defense is a championship-level defense. Um, they just have never been able to, to find anybody else besides Hani Mukhtar. I think the same thing with the Revs. And the Revs... You know, their defense is not as great, um, so they kind of struggle in that sense. They've got a really good player in Carlos Heel, but, I mean, I think he's ultimately, too, had an issue with not being able to have somebody else in there that's contributing uh, like he is at the level he is. So both those teams, I think second and third that are sitting there, I think that those two are, are definitely teams to kind of watch. But, again, if Jekyll and Hyde Union show up again, then obviously I think they kind of sit where they are. But if the union start to churn out and they haven't lost in five games, I think people forget that. They're like, oh, they're Jekyll and Hyde. Well, Jekyll and Hyde haven't lost in five games. So if the union, and now that their focus can be solely on MLS Cup, uh, the East could get really tight up here at the top. It should be pretty interesting. It's it's a positive and a negative, right? Like, oh, you've yeah. lost all your other right. trophies, <laughs> so you can really only yeah. focus on yeah. this one. Yeah. And even when you do focus on that one, you could just lose it uh, if Gareth Bale shows up. So right. that's uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, that's the frustrating thing about sports, I guess. All right, let's go ahead and go to our match of the week preview. Match of the week preview is where we tell you what match you should be watching this weekend. Seven thirty. We have Montreal versus Miami, New England versus Chicago, NYCFC hosting Philadelphia Union, Orlando hosting Atlanta, Toronto hosting D.C. Uh, none of those games are free, it looks like, but those are all 7.30 kickoffs. Then we have 8.30 kickoffs, which are Houston hosting Austin, Minnesota hosting RSL, St. Louis hosting Vancouver. And then 
9.30, we have Colorado hosting Cincinnati. And then we have the 10.30 matches, which is LA Galaxy versus Charlotte, San Jose versus Dallas, Seattle versus Red Bulls. And then on Sunday, we have two free matches on Apple TV. They are also on Fox and FS1. At 3 o'clock, SKC versus Portland. That's at 3 o'clock on Fox. Nashville hosting Columbus at 8.30. That is on FS1. Like I said, both of those are free. Shout out to St. Louis for putting like four past SKC this week as well. So congrats to them and their first like big rival rivalry match. But Logan, what, what score is pop? Uh, what score? What, uh, what match is popping out at you for, uh, for this? Oh, this is tough. Um, I kind of want to go with the, uh, I'm going to go with the San Jose Dallas one. Um, San Jose, stumbling as of late I've lost two in a row um and they were off to a pretty good start uh, to begin the year i mean we were even talking about the fact that they could slip up into the number three spot if they really started to kind of roll um but in the last five matches they've lost three of those five um mm-hmm. only won one game so i think it, it if they want to continue to compete at the you know that top half of that western conference to stay with dallas and st louis and seattle lafc they, they've got to win this match Against St. Louis, sorry, against Dallas. Um, yeah, so I think Minnesota's Sam, climbing. Minnesota's right. right behind them. Right. So, I mean, I think it's a really important match because it, it's at home. So San Jose should have that advantage. Dallas, on the other hand, um, is playing a little bit better um, than they had been, I think. Um, they've got two wins in the last three. They're, they're going to come into PayPal Park looking to grab an important win. Um, I know they're getting good contribution from uh, Jesus Ferreira, who's played really well. Alan Velasco's played pretty well. San Jose, again, just trying to find his footing um, after stumbling twice. So, again, I think that this is a good match at four and five in the Western Conference. Uh, they could essentially um, be one point within each other if San Jose grabs three points. So, if San Jose, if you're a San Jose fan, you need this win if you if you have hopes of kind of staying up there. I, I think if they lose this game, you can kind of get into that little bit of a tailspin where you've lost three in a row and start heading back down towards the bottom of the pack. So I think this is a pretty important game for San Jose. I'm going to pick Orlando versus Atlanta. Uh, Orlando only has three wins in these matchups. Atlanta has nine, and there's been six draws. Recently, Atlanta won in September. There was a draw in July. And last September, uh, sorry, September 2021 was a 3-0 win from Atlanta. So it's been a while since Orlando has won. And uh, this is a quote-unquote rivalry that could have fit in rivalry week. But uh, I just find it interesting because I feel like both of these teams have actually been very disappointing this season. So... Orlando is only three points back of fourth place, which would be where Atlanta is with 22 points. So Orlando could jump to equal with Atlanta and depending on tiebreakers, I guess could go above them. Atlanta has been pretty good. They have had like these fluctuations of being really good and then just kind of like not doing enough to where they sit fourth. They're only, you know, two points back of new England and they're only eight points back of Cincy, but Orlando, who brought in all these new players, they're at 19 points out of 13 games. They're pretty much even. Five wins, four losses, four draws. And they have an exact zero goal differential because they've scored 16 and given up 16. So they're almost exactly perfect at being 
even uh, when you look at their record and their goal differential. So I, I want to see something from Orlando and a statement win that they haven't had in a while against this team could be a pretty big deal, but I don't know if I see it happening. Yeah, as a, an Orlando City fan, uh, again, it, it, they've been pretty Jekyll and Hyde too. They've had games where they've looked good. They've had games where they've not looked so good. I thought that the win against Miami was pretty decent. Um, again, I, I just you just don't know what you expect with this club. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I think honestly, Atlanta uh, right now is the better team. I would agree. I would agree. So uh, if they can come out and make a big statement win, though, that'd be huge for Orlando. They really got to start getting some wins. That's that's the thing. I feel like they're really been slacking this season. Uh, some quick things. Timothy Tillman, his U.S. men's national team one-time switch was just approved. Uh, so that's great. There was a fine from Luis Arajo from Atlanta United because he got a red card and wasn't leaving the field fast enough. He gets fined by the disciplinary um, disciplinary committee. Other than that, that, not that many big stories. I felt like we talked a lot about the um, a lot about the, the big story of Toronto and, and what's going on there. Seattle has kind of been struggling as of late as well because they just lost a Cascadia match. So uh, not not a great look for Seattle, who were doing pretty well, uh, but they lose to Vancouver. They lost to Austin. Their last win came against Houston when it was a 1-0 Seattle win. And before that, they lost to SKC. So Seattle has lost three out of their last four. And they were really in a position to maybe run away with the West for a bit after they dethroned St. Louis. And now LAFC has risen up and they have two games in hand of Seattle. So they're in a, they're in a pretty tough spot. Um, I mean, of course they're not in like a bad spot, but they got, they got to sort out some stuff. Not a great look for Seattle lately, but they have Red Bulls coming up. So that should be a palate cleanser to say it nicely. If you want to give us a follow, you can reach us at Stateside Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Linktree, slash Stateside Show, email is statesideshow at gmail.com. Thank you all for watching or listening. We will catch you next time when we break down those weekend matches.